How many of you guys in your homes, when winter ends, when winter ends in your homes, like how many of you guys, your mom does something called spring cleaning? You guys know what I'm talking about? Your mom does this thing called spring cleaning. Um, when in my home, when it would hit springtime, like my mom would have this spring cleaning day and like she would open up the windows to the house and just let the breeze blow in and it was just real nice and she would just be like a clean freak, like scrub everything from the top to the bottom, um, and she would clean everything. So tonight, before I really get into the message, I want to show you uh, a few things that you do not want to find when you are spring cleaning. The first one that you don't want to find is an awkward family photo when you're spring cleaning. Yeah, look at that. You don't want to find pictures like that of your family when you're spring cleaning. How, how, how weird is that? <laughs> that looks like money taped to his arm. I don't know what it is. Um, so the second thing that is, is maybe you don't want to find when you're spring cleaning at your home. Um, maybe maybe you your family has lost your great-grandmother's wedding ring. And, and you, your family, you thought it was in the attic, so you get to the attic, and indeed it was. And it was found still attached to your great-grandma's mummified hand. Ew. That's what you don't want to find when you're sp- spring cleaning. Weird, huh? It's an M&M, yes. Um, another thing you don't want to find... When you're spring cleaning, especially when you go to clean the toilets, you lift the seat, and you what do you find? You find a six-foot snake. That's... <laughs> that right there haunts my dreams. Like, that's, that's like the worst. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you may... You may or may not want to find this. Some of you may not care if you find this um, when you're spring cleaning. But your cat named Patches has been missing for a few weeks. Do you really have a cat named Patches? <laughs> He's been missing for a few years. And so you sp- you're spring cleaning or you're moving recently and you look under your couch and we don't know what happened to Patches, but you just happened to find Patches under your couch. There are some things you don't want to find when you are spring cleaning. So now, here's the deal. Listen up. Just like this, you guys, uh, a lot of times what we need to do in our lives is we need to clean out some things in our lives as well. You need to clean out from things that hold us back from God, things that keep us from growing in God, and that what we want to do this summer, we're, we're halfway through our summer. Does that make anybody sad? <laughs> we're halfway through our summer, and, and what we want to do is we want to challenge you to continue to grow in God because we know that growing people change. And a lot of people in the summer, they're, they're like, they're like this, like, I've got a break from school. I've got a break from homework. But what happens is that many students also take a break from their walk with God. And we don't want you to do that. And, and I, I know we've, 
we this group right here we've already had some great spiritual moments this summer we've had um some great times at youth camp we've had some great times at iceland uh we're about to go to denver here in a couple of weeks hopefully um you guys have had some great experiences with god this summer and and so but a lot of times what we can do is we can get so caught up in the freedom and the fun and the hanging out of summer that we start to settle and we start not to, we don't focus on God as much and it's more about having fun and which having fun is great. Do that. Please do that. Hang out with your family made of friends. And then where were you at on that one, man, and have a great time together, but do not forget to continue to have a focus on God and growing in Him. Because here's what happens in the summer. We do one of two things. We either get so bored or we get so busy doing stuff that that these events like camp and mission trips and these other things, these things alone, they can't sustain your spiritual life. Yeah, we go to these events and we have these things. We have these kind of spiritual highs, but it can't. You can't rely on that to, to sustain you throughout the summer. And so and so, what happens is that we start to settle. We start to settle. And here's the deal tonight. We are not settlers. We are pioneers. We continue to push forward. We continue to take new ground. And we do not settle. Um, the way you end one season in your life is the way you will begin the next. Um, if at the end of the summer you don't grow in Christ and your life hasn't changed and maybe you've just settled and you've just stayed the same, you'll begin the next season the same. And with no life, no energy, no desire, just dead on the inside. And if you, if you end one season weak, you'll begin the next season weak. But if you end strong, you're going to start strong. You're going to continue to push forward and be strong. And, and here's the deal. If you want something bad enough, you'll do all it takes to go get it, to push forward and go get it. If you want something bad enough, you'll do all it takes. But if you end strong, you will start strong. And that's, that's how our relationship with Christ is. If you want it bad enough, you won't settle. You'll continue to push forward and you'll continue to pioneer. And I guys, I want you to, we're halfway through the summer and I want you to end the summer. I want you to continue, but I want you to end this summer strong in your relationship with Christ. Because if you want it bad enough, you won't settle. You'll continue and you'll continue to pioneer. And if you want to end the summer strong, and we'll, then we'll start the fall strong. My desire here for Emerge Youth Church is, is that for us to grow. And, and if you're sitting here thinking, you know, well, I've got my group of friends and, and we don't need to grow. Like, I just need my, my four and no more. I just need my group. Well, maybe you're thinking, well, we don't need other people. You're not thinking very kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded, growth-minded. Um, you, what you're doing is you're, you're thinking very selfish-minded. You're thinking it's all about you. But about my, well, I don't need any more, more people than just my small group here. And you've got to think kingdom-minded. But before we grow numerically, we have to grow spiritually. So tonight, there are things still in your life that's holding you back, that are causing you to settle, that are holding you back from God. So tonight, we're going to talk about this guy named Josiah. Everybody say Josiah. This guy, if you've heard about Josiah, any of you guys know about Josiah? 
we, this guy, Josiah, he became king of Israel when he was eight years old. He was eight years old. How many of you guys like have a brother or sister who's close to that age? Now imagine them being the ruler of the whole place. <laughs> you know, no. Um, at age eight, Josiah became king of Israel. And at this time in, in the world, Israel was not following God. They were not close to God at all. They would go to church, but they would sin in church. They would worship other gods in church, and they would do very perverse acts in church because of these things. They forgot who the one true God was. And so Josiah, he begins to see this, and he begins to think, something's wrong here. There's something terribly wrong. Something needs to change. And so many of you, like we get to this place in our life where we recognize that in ourselves. And we recognize something's wrong here. Something's got to change. And and you know you need to make a change in your life. And so you step back and you look and you realize that something isn't right. So Josiah... By the time he was 16 years old, he began to seek God and and he would be like, God, I know this isn't right. I need you to help me and I need you to help me to see what to fix so I can change it. And so many of you tonight, you need to be like, God, show me what parts of me that I need to change, what parts of me that I need to clean out, what parts of my life that need to be different. And when Josiah did this, his life began to change. When he did this, it all changed. And and he had what I like to call a Josiah moment. And what I mean by that is is, um, that he, he sits back and he looks at the way that his entire nation is sinning. And his entire nation is being held back from God. And this is what he decides to do. If you've got your Bible tonight, it's in the book of 2 Chronicles, um, starting in in 34 um, and verse 3. It says this. When he had been king for eight years, he was still only a teenager. He had begun to seek the God of David, his ancestor. Four years later, the twelfth year of his reign, he set out to cleanse the neighborhood of sex and religion shrines and get rid of the sacred Asherah groves and the god and goddesses, uh, goddess figurines, whether carved or cast from Judah. He wrecked the Baal shrines, he tore down the altars, and... and connected with them, and scattered the debris and ashes all over the graves of those who had worshipped at them. He burned the bones of the priests on the same altars that they had used when alive. He scrubbed the place clean, Judah and Jerusalem clean inside and out. The cleanup campaign ranged outward to the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, and the surrounding neighborhoods as far north as Naphtali. Uh, Throughout Israel, he demolished the altars and the Asherah groves, pulverized the gods and goddesses figures. He chopped up the neighborhood shrines into firewood. With Israel once more intact, he returned to Jerusalem. Now notice those words. When Josiah, when he noticed that everything was a mess in his life and in his country, when he saw that everything was a wreck, he didn't think, man, I'm just worried what people are going to think if if I make a change in this country. I'm just worried about what people are going to do if they're going to be mad at me. He didn't even consider 
that if I destroy these false gods and if I make them into fall, uh, to, to firewood and if I dig up the old bones of the dead priests that worship these false gods and then set fire to them, like, he didn't think, if I do that, I'm going to make some people mad. I'm going to tick some people off. Um, they won't be my friends anymore. But because, uh, because I'm worried of what my friends think, I, I can't do that. He did not think that at all. Josiah didn't do that. He was not a settler. He was not going to settle for what was wrong. He was a pioneer, and he was going to continue to push forward. So look, let's look at the, what the Bible said he did. It says he cleansed. It said he got rid of. It said he, got, he burned. He scrubbed. He chopped up. He demolished all the things that kept himself and his people from God. And I love that. I love that about it. I'd love that he didn't care what anybody thought. And he took all of this stuff and he tore it down and he destroyed it and he burned it and he chopped it up. And, and he did everything he could to destroy those things that kept himself and his people from God. Josiah didn't just see all of those things and say, oh, God, forgive me. Just like many of us, we, we see our sins and we may say, God, forgive me, but we still allow our sins to exist. Many of us do that. We say, God, forgive me of that sin or forgive me of looking at that porn or forgive me for gossiping about those people or forgive me, God, for being disobedient or God, forgive me for, uh, for being so complacent and we do nothing to get rid of the sin that's in our life. We may ask forgiveness, but we don't take action to actually get rid of the sin in our lives. But Josiah didn't do that. He saw the sin, he asked God to forgive him, and then he did something about it. And when you ask for forgiveness, it requires action. When you go to God and you ask for forgiveness, it requires action. You have to do something about it. You can talk all you want, but unless you put into action what you're saying, it means nothing. He had this Josiah moment where he destroyed anything that kept was in his way between him and God. A Josiah moment is this. It's that moment of clarity when he realized what demanded to be done. That moment when he not only got forgiveness of those things, but he took action and he got rid of those things out of his life. It's like if you, if you say, um, God, I pray that you'll forgive me of my sin of pornography, but you still keep the quick link on your computer or on your phone. You can ask forgiveness all you want, but if you're keeping that stuff there, if you're not getting rid of it out of your life, God, for, forgive me for hating on this person, but the next person you text, you're gossiping about that person. You have to take action. You have to get rid of the things that make you sin, that push you to sin. Josiah knew that he can't change his people. He can't change his country. He can change his own heart unless he completely destroys the, the things that are causing him to sin. So many of you, you may feel bad about your sin, but you don't take the steps necessary to get rid of your sin. So you settle. And so tonight I want to ask you, will you change the game? Will you, will you, or will you stay the same? Like, are you going to settle or are you going to pioneer? Are you going to be okay? It's just a little thing. 
It's just, a little, I, don't, I only gossip a little bit. I only lie a little bit. That's still sin in your life. And you need to clear it out. You need to get rid of it. And, and you need to move on. You, you not only know what you're supposed to do. Maybe you say, God, forgive me. But you have to do. You have to take action. What you're supposed to do. And that's to get rid of it. James one twenty two. it says this. Don't be just hearers of the word. But be doers of the word. He says we can sit and hear someone preach. Or we can read our own Bibles all the time. But unless we put what God's challenge to us is into action. We're just hearers of the word. We're not doing anything with what we're being taught. We're not doing anything with. We're not putting action to what we're being taught. So if I took Evie. My little, my daughter, if I took her and I told her to clean her room. So she goes to her room and, and she just, she goes and hangs out in her room. She looks at her room. She opens the door to her room. She hopes that her room is clean. She brings friends into her room. She prays about her room being clean. But if she doesn't pick up one single thing, Kristen walks in and goes, Hey! Because that's what Kristen does. Um, Why didn't you clean your room? But mom, listen, listen. I was in my room. I I walked around my room. I I felt really, really bad about how dirty my room was. Mom, I felt really bad about how dirty it was. Not only did I feel bad about it, mom, but I had some friends over to help me to feel bad right along with me about how bad my room was. And then... We started to cry, and then we prayed about my dirty room. And we said, God, I'm so sorry my room's dirty. Would you please forgive me for my dirty room? So, so isn't that enough? No. You can't just feel bad about your dirty room. You can't just only pray about the dirty room. You have to clean the dirty room. And it's the same way with our sins. We say, God, forgive me of my sin. God, I'm praying about my sin. But if you don't do what it takes to get rid of your sin, it's still there. See, Jesus can cleanse you of all of that stuff. But if you're still keeping that link on your computer, if you're still keeping that, those Snapchat messages, if you're still keeping those things that, that you have that are holding you back from God, you're not getting rid of it. You have got to get rid of those things in your life. You can't just be a hearer of the word, but you have to be a doer of the word. Josiah had a moment in his life where he he went to all the statues and all the false gods and and he went to the temples and he began to burn them down and he began to tear them down. And he took all the priests, this is a cool part of the story, he took all the priests who served these false gods, he killed them, he took the, and he burned them and then he took the bones after he burned them and then he burned the bones. Like he was really serious about what he was doing. Then he had an entire nation Turn to God and do the same thing. And this story speaks one thing so loud and so clear that there are things right now in everybody's life in this room that are separating you from God and they must be removed. There are things in your life that separate you from God. They must be removed. Students, you've got to be ruthless with your sin. You can't allow it to hold itself in your heart. You have to be merciless with your sin. If someone came to you with a knife and they just started stabbing you, 
just started stabbing you like over and over. You wouldn't say, sir, wait, please stop. That hurts. I don't want to offend you, but please stop this. No, if someone came up to you with a knife and started stabbing at you, you would be ruthless. You would do everything that you possibly could. You would be kicking and screaming, doing everything you possibly could to get away. Why? Because you don't want it to kill you anymore. You don't want it to hurt you anymore and destroy you anymore. You would be ruthless with it. You would be merciless with it. And and that's why you have to be like that with your sin. Because what sin does when it comes in, it starts to kill you. And it starts to kill you slowly over and over and over again. And many, many of you are like, oh, sin, please stop it. Please stop. Uh, but you don't take the steps necessary to get it out of your life. And the Bible says that you need to be ruthless with it. So check this out, Matthew 29 and 30. It says, and this is pretty ruthless. It says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. That's pretty hardcore right there, right? Yeah. And, and, and let me explain this. Let me go with this. It doesn't literally mean to tear your eye out. I don't want people to show up here with a bunch of eye patches next week. It'd be, we could be pirate church. That would be pretty cool. But I don't want that to happen. Um, what that means is that you have to get brutal, with the, as, as brutal as you can with your sin. And, and you have to get rid of it. You have to get it out of your life. It, it, in my life, in my own life, it was the same way. I had to get brutal with the sin that was in my life. I remember the day that I realized that I had to to destroy some things in my life. Um, I was a teenager just like you guys in my, and maybe some of our older, our adults in here would remember this. Teenage, our youth groups would have these big bonfires. And uh, what they would do is like you would bring all of your, your CDs and your movies and all of your stuff and you would toss it in the bonfire and like get rid of my sin kind of stuff. A long time ago, we used to do stuff like that. But for me, it was a real thing in my life. And it, it was new. I knew I had these books. Now, like now, like we can all download our music, and it's really cool. We had books and books of CDs way back in my day. And we, But what we did is I showed up one night, youth group. We were having this bonfire night. We were getting rid of everything. And I had two trash bags full of of stuff in my life, of sin, of, of CDs and movies and stuff. And, and I got rid of so many of these things that were holding me back from God because I had to get serious about getting that stuff out of my life. I had to have a Josiah moment. I said, God, I'm, I'm getting rid of everything that's holding me back from, from you. God, you are more important than any of these things. And I was, it, it was a sign to God saying, God, I want you more. And I want you to know that I mean it. I'm not just going to say it with my words, but I'm going to show it with my actions. God needs to see that you mean it. He needs to know that you mean it. Uh, Many of you guys in this room, maybe you've got certain apps on your phone. Maybe you've got pictures. Maybe you've got music. Maybe you've got links. Um, maybe, Maybe there's even a person in your life that you keep going to and they keep causing you to sin. You've got to delete it. You've got to remove it. You've got to get rid of it. Everything that holds you back from God keeps you from his purpose for your life. It could be a toxic relationship. 
It could be music. It could be movies. I just like the beat of the music. That was my line too until that a lot of those words and a lot of those things really started grabbing hold of my heart and it really started changing my, my words and my thoughts and my actions. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's some apps that you have. You have to go Josiah on these things. You have to get rid of these things in your life. You cannot give the devil a foothold. The Bible says this, it's Ephesians 4.27. It says, don't give the devil a foothold. And a foothold is this. How many of you guys have ever been rock climbing? Anybody? Like even fake rocks, like, like the climbing gym kind of thing. Um, so you're climbing the wall. And they have these little things that you, you grab hold onto or you, grab, you put your feet on. And they're called footholds. Now imagine if you're rock climbing a wall without footholds. Is just a wall, right? Uh, and and that wall, what what that is that it's like a wall. We have a wall around our heart that guards our heart from sin and from the enemy. And the Bible says that don't give the devil a foothold. But if I sin, a foothold appears, and the devil he'll have something to grab onto. Then if I sin again and again and again, and pretty soon he starts to scale the wall of my heart. He jumps over the wall and he starts attacking my heart. A lot of people show up on Wednesday and we pray and we ask God for forgiveness. And but then the rest of the week, we're giving the devil footholds. We're giving him opportunities. We're living far from God over and over again. Listen to me tonight. Do not. Give the devil footholds. The devil does not. The devil does not get footholds. We give the devil footholds. If the devil scaled the wall of your heart and he's attacking your life, it's because you gave him the means to get there. There are things that you're in your life tonight that you need to go Josiah on. We determine what the enemy gets. Can we have our band come back up? You have the opportunity tonight to go Josiah and, and get rid of these footholds in your life. Um, when you keep that sin in your life, when you keep those little things, you're allowing the enemy to get a foothold. So let's look back for a moment at Josiah. And, and he said, he said, if I'm going to get rid of every foothold in my life, then I've got to get ruthless with this sin. And he goes all out. With it, yeah, I want to encourage you guys to read it for yourself. The, the whole story, it's in Second Chronicles 34 to 36. But he sees the problem, and then he takes the necessary steps to make sure that it doesn't come back. He completely cleanses the country of everything that's giving the enemy a foothold. For you, it could be that toxic relationship. Maybe it could be a friendship Maybe it could be that music. Maybe it could be a certain show that you watch. Maybe it could be a certain app you've got on your phone. Whatever it is, unless you want the devil to get a stronghold in your life, you need to get rid of it. So tonight, I'm going to, here in a moment, we're going to call everyone up just to close the night out and worship. We're just going to worship together at the end. And, and here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, Jesus, show me the footholds in my life that the enemy has on me. When you come up here, I want you to say, Jesus, show me those things that the enemy has on me. Don't let me be soft. Let me, help me to be ruthless 
with my sin and help me to completely destroy it. Help me to get rid of those things in my life. Here's the deal. If you don't take care of this, the rest of the summer, the devil's going to have open season on your heart. Don't get to the end of the summer and wonder what happened and wonder why you're far from God and wonder why things haven't changed in your life. Uh, Maybe like I did all the trips and I had all the God experiences. But did you continue to hang on to that sin the whole time? Tonight, there are many of you struggling with so many sins and you have to begin to break that stronghold on your life. You can't do it alone, but God can. And he wants to tonight. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. I like this part. It says, The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. What are those weapons? Tonight, the first weapon is this. The first weapon is recognition. I want you to stand up here when we call everyone to the front and and I want you to recognize, I want you to say, Jesus, show me the footholds, show me the strongholds in my life. The second thing is, is we desire to repent. Jesus, I don't want these in my life anymore. And the last one is this is ruthlessness. You have to get rid of those things in your life. You have to be ruthless with it. You can't hold it in your life anymore. You have to tear it out. You have to destroy it. You have to get rid of it or that sin is going to keep coming back in your life. The first two, those first two things will happen here. They'll happen here in this place. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize these things that keep me from you. And I recognize they keep me from my destiny. And the second thing here you have to do is you have to repent. You have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And the third thing, it can happen here. But maybe you need to get ruthless with that toxic relationship tonight. With that app on your phone. With those pictures. With that music. With that certain link that you go to. No matter what, you need to get ruthless with it. And you need to get it out of your life or or it will keep you from living the life that Christ has called you. I want everyone to stand and I want to ask everyone to bow your heads and and as we do that, I want you to, to shut everything else out. But I want you to hear this. I want you to hear what God said about Josiah. It's in Second Kings 23. It says this. Neither before or after Josiah was there a king like him who turned turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength because of what God said. I'm going to ask this tonight. I'm going to ask our leaders to to come up here and stand along the front. And, And thinking back on that verse, I'm going to read it again. Neither before or after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, because of what God said. Let me ask you tonight, what would God say about you right now? What would he say about you? What would he say about your life and how you've pursued him and how you've gone after him? What would he say about you? Would God say, that person, is they're just like everyone else. They're no different than everyone else. Or could God say about you, 
that before or after there was no one else like you. No one else who turned to God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their strength, with all they had. Tonight, this is your Josiah moment, and you needed to take advantage of it now. And tonight, maybe you say, Pastor Jeremy, there are some footholds in my life right now, and I've been too kind to my sin, and I've got to get rid of it. If that's you tonight, you've got some things in your life. Would you raise a hand? You say, I recognize that. That's me. I've got some footholds. Thank you. Thank you. I've got some footholds. I've got some things in my life tonight that I need to get rid of. Tonight, this is your Josiah moment. You need to take advantage of it of it now. Here's what we're going to do. The band is going to play tonight. They're going to play this song and we're going to worship together. Here, I'm going to ask us all, every one of us, to come up to the front and worship. And tonight, if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you needed to. I want you to come up with, I want you to bring a friend, grab a leader, and we're going to pray together. And I want you to take that moment tonight and, and just take that moment and just pray and seek God and say, I don't want this sin. We need to recognize it. We need to get forgiveness for it. And then we need to get it out, completely out of our lives. We have to demolish that sin. So tonight, as we begin to sing, I just want you to respond. I want everyone to come to the front, and I want everyone to respond tonight. Let's sing together.